It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Pucks and Cups. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can. For $3 a month, just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. I do this full time and every dollar you give helps keep all the podcasts going. And speaking of my other podcasts, I have Canadian History X and From John to Justin, available on all podcast platforms. When you look at the greatest players of the 1950s and 1960s, a lot of players come up like Jean Beliveau, Rocket Richard, Gordie Howe, Terry Sawchuck, and Bobby Hull. There's another name mixed in there though, and it's Leonard Patrick Kelly, better known as Red Kelly. This episode isn't about the career of Red Kelly or really his life. Needless to say, he had an extraordinary career. He won the Stanley Cup eight times for two different teams, Detroit and Toronto, and he has won the Cup more than any other player who didn't play for Montreal. And he is the only player to be part of two dynasties, neither of which were Montreal. With 823 points in 1,316 games as both a defenseman from 1947 to 1960, and then a center from 1960 to 1967, he entered the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1969 and had his number retired by both Toronto and Detroit, and he is considered one of the greatest hockey players ever. Red Kelly was very good. So why am I talking about him if I'm not talking about his career? I'm talking about him because of something else he did while winning his Stanley Cups with Toronto, and that was serve in the Canadian House of Commons during his NHL career from 1962 to 1965. For Kelly, he had great admiration for Lester B. Pearson, saying, quote, I thought the world of Mr. Pearson, and I thought anything I could do to help get Mr. Pearson elected would be good for Canada, so that's why I really ran. Pearson was also keen to have Kelly run in the election, specifically asking him to after the trade from Detroit, but Kelly told him at the time, quote, I told Mr. Pearson I did not think it was possible to combine the two. He agreed. Pearson would keep at Kelly, though, eventually convincing him, and Kelly would say, quote, Lester Pearson had a great ability to bring people together, and the more we talked, the more I liked him and admired him. I decided I would do whatever I could to help make him Prime Minister. Kelly was offered five ridings to choose from in order to run, and he would choose York West. Why? Well, he said, quote, I looked at them all and I thought York West had been a conservative for most of its existence. It didn't have much of a local team in place, and so I selected it, because I thought that if I lost the election, I wouldn't hurt them any, given a Liberal had not been elected in the riding for quite a while. It was the largest riding population-wise in Canada at the time. In the 1962 federal election, Kelly ran with the Liberal Party in York West, where he was up against the incumbent, John Hamilton, for the seat in the House of Commons. As if a symbol of his future victory, Kelly and the Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup only one week prior to securing his nomination in the riding. As Kelly was famous enough from his hockey career, he didn't need to knock on doors. Instead, he would go and help other Liberal candidates in other ridings. This was the election that saw John Diefenbaker's government suffer a huge collapse when they went from the biggest win in Canadian history to losing 92 seats and falling to 116 
while Lester B. Pearson and his Liberals gained 52 seats to get to 99. Diefenbaker and his government remained in power, at least for a year, but for Red Kelly, it was a big victory. John Hamilton had served as a member of parliament in that area since 1954, and the Progressive Conservative Party had been in charge there since 1940. In fact, since the creation of the riding, a non-Conservative Party member had only been elected there twice, once with Thomas Wallace of the Unionist government from 1917 to 1921, and John Everett Lyle Strait, a Liberal member from 1935 to 1940. It was going to be a challenge for Kelly, but as someone who had already won several Stanley Cups and changed to a new position on the ice, it was one he was up for. He would defeat the incumbent by nearly 4,000 votes, and in the next year, was re-elected where his progressive conservative opponent was Alan Eagleson. Eagleson would go on to have a very large impact on hockey, both good and bad, and like Kelly, he would be inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame, until he was removed following his arrest for fraud and embezzlement after he defrauded his clients and stole money from tournaments. Now the second time, you ran twice, won both times, and the second time you ran, you ran against, I believe, what an irony, Alan Eagleson. Yes, Alan Eagleson. So what was it like to run against Alan Eagleson? Was he the same man as he is now? Yeah, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Which made, I, I assume, that you're saying he was a pretty aggressive opponent. Oh, yes. As he is these days. Oh, yes. It was uh, quite a different election the second time uh, compared to the first one. Yeah. yeah. It's a different campaign. It very much run much different. Eagleson, who at the time represented some of Kelly's teammates, attempted to depict Kelly as an absentee MP who coasted to fame. In reality, Kelly's absentee record was no more than any of the other MPs. The insults weren't enough though, and Kelly was re-elected in a landslide with 17,000 more votes than Eagleson. It just seemed that we, in 62, uh, we had a child. <laughs> I got elected. <laughs> Uh, 63, we had another child, and we won the Stanley Cup 62, and we won the Stanley Cup 63, and we had another child in 64, and we won the Cup again, and then we had an election that year. Uh, things were really popping, I can tell you, yes. Kelly always felt that if he could not give it his all, he would not continue. And he would tell a crowd, quote, I figure a political party, like a hockey team, needs legs as well as brains. I can help to do the legwork while men with experience, like Mr. Pearson, help to restore Canada's prestige overseas. Even though he worked hard at both of his careers, it was not always easy. Kelly would say later, quote, That was a tremendous experience. I enjoyed those years, but it was tough doing both things. I thought I had one foot in the grave. I don't know how Red was able to handle both of those jobs, playing center for the Leafs and being a member of Parliament. Uh, that was onerous. He had to be in Ottawa so many times. There'd be a close vote in Parliament. He'd have to be there to cast his ballot and then jump on a plane and get back for practice or a game the next day. And this went on for a couple of years, and uh, uh, it was just a m marvel to me that he was able to do it. I did a magazine piece on Red uh, for the Star Weekly entitled The Honorable Member from Center Ice. We picked him up, a photographer and I, at a leaf practice, flew to Ottawa, with him, spent the day with him in, uh, in Parliament, and then flew back that night. And uh, boy, the, I thought, you know what, and you're still playing hockey. This is a hectic schedule. And I was a, a young man at those at that time. Being a member of, of Parliament is, was a great honor, and uh, you're, you're right at the top of everything. You're enacting laws for the country. Uh, uh, th that was a tremendous experience. I enjoyed those years. Uh, he uh, did take uh, his duties very seriously when, when he was a member of Parliament. 
and when he was a leaf. I mean, he put everything he had into what he was doing at the time. He managed to adjust his time so neither the hockey nor his parliamentary duties would suffer. And the team, they adored him. I mean, you couldn't help but adore him for his fabulous skills. Not everyone felt that Kelly was up to the task of being an MP. Blair Frazier with Maclean's wrote an editorial called Why There's One Contest We'd Like to See a Good Man Lose. In it, he says, quote, The deliberate attempt to turn an athlete's fame into a partisan asset implies such a deep contempt for the voters' intelligence, such a patronizing reliance on bread and circuses for the ignorant plebeians, and it amounts to a rejection of democracy. In his first year as MP, Kelly was at a Christmas party thrown for the House of Commons page boys, and he gave each page boy an autographed hockey stick. Red Kelly is definitely top man around Parliament today for about 20 House of Commons page boys. At a special pre-Christmas party, the hockey-playing member of Parliament gave each of the boys a personally autographed hockey stick. The MPs gave the boys a party because probably it was felt that any young boy who has to wear starchy white shirts, black bow tie, and suit during the sessions of Parliament deserves a reward. And although these boys are the normally rambunctious type, they were on their best behavior at their Christmas party last night, possibly because their boss, Speaker Marshall Lambert, was also present. In 1989, on Hockey Night in Canada, Kelly described how hectic it was for him to be both a star hockey player and a member of Parliament, saying, quote, The National Hockey League plays games mainly on Wednesday night, Saturdays, and Sundays. The House of Commons did not sit on Wednesdays or Friday evenings, or on the weekends, but the sessions extended well into the summer. I missed few sessions and no games, but was frequently unable to practice with the Maple Leafs, and I took my skates to Ottawa, where I would be able to rent some ice at 5am in Hull or the Minto Skating Club. His colleagues also helped him, including one time that the Deputy Speaker of the House organized a limo to take Kelly to Montreal following a critical vote in the House of Commons. They only had problems the getting to the Montreal game. We had the minority government, we had all kinds of votes, and we were playing that night in Montreal, and, and the bells were ringing, and the last vote didn't take place till 6 p.m., and uh, the deputy speaker had his chauffeur waiting at the, at the door for me, and uh, I ran out and got in the car, and they took me to the airport, and uh, there was a plane waiting, and brought me to Montreal, and I had a limousine waiting there, drove me right to the Montreal Forum. Players were just going on the ice as I ran in, and for warm-up and I got dressed just in time to start the game. Then the worst part was after the game, I had to go back to Ottawa, so I was taking the train back and the FLQ were active in those days and they threatened to blow up the trestles. And so uh, they wouldn't let the train go through. I should have been back in Ottawa at, at one o'clock and uh, because they wouldn't allow the train, I got to sit there on the train and I didn't get in until about 6.30 in the morning and I was rooming with Eugene Whalen and Larry Pinnell. <laughs> and they, they were just getting up to go, to, to go over to the Parliament House, uh, House of Commons, and I was just coming in. Kelly's wife would serve as a secretary, and his constituency office was based right out of his home. Kelly would often meet with the constituent over the dinner hour and even share his meal with them. Nonetheless, it was extremely difficult some days. When the Leafs won the Stanley Cup in 1964, Kelly had his knee frozen before the final game and fell asleep in the shower afterwards, and he still had to be in Ottawa the next day. His role as an MP and hockey player also gained him some fame on American television when he appeared on To Tell the Truth. I, Leonard Kelly, have two different vocations. 
At one, I am considered a veteran, and at the other, I am a novice. I have played professional ice hockey for the past 15 years, and now play center for the champion Toronto Maple Leafs. When not on the ice, I am a rookie member of the Canadian Parliament. I was elected to my first term in the House of Commons this year. Signed, Leonard Kelly. Very well, panel, these three gentlemen all claim to be, as you heard, Leonard Kelly, hockey-playing member of parliament in Canada. Let's start this cross-examination with Peggy Cass. Peggy? Thank you. Um, number one, uh, who won the Stanley Cup playoffs last year? The Toronto Maple Leafs. Thank you. Uh, number two, uh, who is Maurice Richard? Maurice Richard is of the uh, Canadian, uh, the Montreal Canadiens. Thank you. And number three, who does Bobby Hull play for? Hull, oh, Chicago Blackhawks. Thank you. Uh, number, uh, oh, yes. okay. Number one, who does Gordy Howe play for? Gordy Howe plays uh, for the Detroit uh, Hockey Club. Uh, number three, who is Frankie Brimsek goalie for? That's a good question. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and, number one, same question. Frankie Brimsek? Yes. Well, repeat it again. Which... Who is he goalie for? I don't think he is goaltender now. I think he did play goal, though, for uh, Boston. And you Are you an ex hockey player? Hockey game. All I can say is she spends a lot of time on the ice. <laughs> <laughs> Barry. Number three, who is Andy Bathgate? Andy Bathgate's with the New York Rangers. Number one, who is Doug Harvey? Doug Harvey is with the New York Rangers. Number three, how many fouls are you allowed? Any number. I don't think it's, there's no how limit on the right. number. Uh, what, uh, could you tell me your age? 38. Uh, what is the uh, usual age for retirement in... Uh... Well, it's about now. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes Kelly's experience as a hockey player also helped him in the House of Commons. His first parliamentary speech was in May of 1963, when he addressed controversies of replacing the national anthem and the flag. He would tell the House of Commons about the increased use of O Canada instead of God Save the Queen at NHL games and it created a strong sense of patriotic pride. He also supported a new flag, and when an opposition heckler yelled out, The Maple Leaf, Kelly responded, quote, Yes, the Red Ensign was borrowed from Britain, and now it is time to give it back, and have our own distinctive flag. It is time to cut the apron strings to Britain. The Toronto Star would praise his speech as sensible and well-considered, that speech and his support of the new flag would bring some new issues with his former boss, Con Smythe. Kelly received heavy opposition from Con Smythe, who at the time was a minority owner of the Leafs. Smythe would say of the debate that changed the flag, quote, In the Olympic Games, the whole world is represented, and when Canada sometimes wins a gold medal, everybody knows. When the ensign is raised to the masthead, that Canada has won. Smythe would hold meetings with Kelly and exchange letters with him, pleading with him to keep the old flag. Kelly stuck with his guns, though, speaking with colleagues who felt that the new flag would be a stronger international symbol for the country. In 1964, Kelly would represent the Canadian government at the 1964 Summer Olympics in Tokyo, after getting permission from Punch in Black, his coach and general manager, who said Kelly just needed to be back for the season opener. In 1965, Kelly chose not to run again because he wanted to spend more time with his family. In his autobiography, The Red Kelly Story, 
He was walking up his driveway after a parliamentary session when his daughter yelled, Look, Mummy, it's Red Kelly, which showed him just how often he had been away. I, I, I probably wouldn't have done it, except I probably would have stayed in politics, except Mr. Pearson was tired of, of uh, contending with the minority government mm -hmm. and getting his policies through, so he wanted to call an election, and he, he called one in the, in the fall of the year and uh, to try and get a majority. I really didn't think, my feeling around the country probably, he wasn't going to get a majority, but uh, that's only my feeling, and, uh, and I was tired. Pearson was in Toronto for the opening of the new City Hall, and he spoke with Kelly for an hour, and accepted his decision to retire from politics. Kelly would say after he made his decision, quote, As soon as I made the decision, I felt as though a 200-pound weight had been lifted off my shoulders. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Pucks and Cups. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you want to reach me, you can. Just go to craig at canadaehx.com. You can also visit my website where you'll find hundreds of articles on Canada's history, as well as all my podcast episodes. Just go to canadaehx.com. In addition, you can support the podcast like I said. Just go to patreon.com slash canadaehx. Just like all of these wonderful patrons have. Phil Maynard, Pamela Elder, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke S., Vic Hedges, J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Spencer M., and Iris Gray. You can find us on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash CanadianHistoryX. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And you can find me on Instagram. Just search for Bairdo37. Information comes from Canadian Encyclopedia, CBC, Wikipedia, Legends of Hockey, Toronto Sun, Zoomer.com, and CTV News. Thanks. We'll see you again next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. <laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.